Hello, welcome in. How is everyone doing? This is a podcast, Builder versus Buyer, and I am the host, Adam Steiner. Um, I have an awesome guest with me today talking about the build process, specifically build on your lot, which we will dive into. But first, I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by the Ultimate Room Layout Guide. That's right. Go to roomlayoutguide.com. Um, one of the biggest stressors in any building project is deciding on a layout, or worse yet, picking the wrong layout altogether. All the back and forth waste everyone's time, money, but we feel, but we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I've condensed 20 years of my residential design experience into one power pack resource, the Ultimate Room Layout Guide. It's got over 40 expertly designed rooms so that you can save time and money dialing in your layouts. Borrow from it, use it to guide conversations or give you new ideas. The layouts show both luxury options that won't break the bank, but also those economical options for tighter spaces. It's available in two forms, PDF for viewing and DWG for direct insert into your desired CAD software. And the best part is you'll have an option to access all future revisions as I add more rooms and share more stories. That's roomlayoutguide.com. All right, I will stop blabbing. Let's get on to the show. Well, welcome in today. I have with me Matt Feigen. Matt, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Really good. Really good. Thank you for joining me. So for those that don't know, who are you and what do you do? So I um, work at Design Tech Homes. I'm actually one of the co-owners here. Um, it was started about 25 years ago um, by both my parents. They actually started it together. Mom did more of the accounting finance side and my dad was more of the builder and sales side. Um, but I actually joined it about three years ago. Um, started in sales, did some oper operations where I became our operations manager. And now I'm actually a construction manager out in the field. So kind of Learned a lot in a very short period of time. Um, a little bit of about what we do is we are a fully custom turnkey build on your lot custom home builder. Um, so we can have people that come in with a set of plans. We can obviously build that. We can have people come in and say they like some of our plans, but they want to modify it. That's available as well. And some people come in and they have no idea what they want and we'll design a fully custom plan for them in house. Um, and then obviously we end up building that. So we have, um, all of our design is inside as well as the interior design. We have an interior designer on staff um, to make sure that they get everything done. We have architects on staff. We actually have an in-house warranty team. So a lot of companies you'll see, they just kind of outsource it whenever there's a warranty issue. We have a staff of about three that take care of everything that can come up. Um, and then, yeah, that's a little bit about us. We've been building for 25 years and we've built a total of about 30,000 homes. Um, wow. between both awesome. the Houston area and San Antonio market as well. Um, so how many are you doing like a year right now? So right now it's kind of trended in a different direction. We used to do a lot more homes that were priced at a low, lower dollar. Um, now, just to give you an idea, the average sales price used to be about 300,000. That excludes a lot since we are built on your lot. So homeowner will go and purchase the lot. Now we're looking closer to 650 to 700 per home. Um, so yeah. typically on a year, we're doing about 60 to 75 homes now, but yeah. with the dollar pricing increasing, your, your revenues have gone up, obviously. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, the running a 60 to 70 homes a year operation is totally different. So when I first started, 
um, with my dad's company, we had two contracts and, you know, and yeah. we went from two homes a year to about 40. And so we saw a lot of different cycles in there. And I tell people like with two or three homes, everything's in your head, you know, yeah. every customer's name, everything they wanted, whether it's on paper or not, you just remember that stuff. When you get up to, you know, when you're past 50, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's impossible to keep that stuff straight. So you got to have great systems and stuff. Um, speaking of systems. So one thing I've noticed in the industry and talking a lot with clients, I don't think most clients realize they need an on your lot builder. And that's a very specific type of builder. I think most people would say they need a custom builder or semi-custom builder. Um, but on your lot is a very specific type of builder for a lot of challenging things. You're dealing with HOAs, subdivisions, new permit requirements in every little city. Um, you have watershed districts, like all this stuff that's not standardized between communities. How do you guys take all that and um, distill it down to a standardized process for your clients? Well, so I can kind of go into actually how our entire process works. Um, and yeah. that'll touch on to permitting and HOAs and kind of how that plays a role. But basically, there's two ways you can start with us. Um, one's going to be what we're going to call a pre-construction. So you have no idea what you want. You don't like any of our base plans. You don't have an outside plan that we could sit there and price. We're basically going to do an in-house architectural service. So you're going to put a deposit down. We're going to design your plan. We obviously need to keep budget in mind as we're designing the plan. Because if you tell me your budget's 500,000 and you want a 5,000 square foot house, well, I already know that's doesn't matter what we design, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, right. But, you know, we tend to talk, hey, you know, are we going to be between six and 700? We can hit it pretty, pretty nicely just based on what we know. Um, and obviously there's things that raise the price of a house or lower the price of a house. So we do um, about three separate meetings um, with the designer where we come up with a plan. Um, during this, you're also going to walk your plan in VR. So we actually have like a gaming software that everything gets put into and the homeowners literally put a headset on and walk their house, um, yeah, which awesome. has been great because most of the time we might tell them we don't think this is going to look good because on paper it doesn't look bad. And then all of a sudden they walk in and they go, man, I really hate that cabinet. And I'm like, yeah, we. that's what I thought. It's a lot cheaper to fix right now. If you saw it in the field, yeah. uh, you'd have a problem with it. So yeah. That's one way we then will, um, during this process, we'll do a site visit and a soils test. So we'll be able to get all your site costs down and we'll know, hey, do you have good soil or not? Because that can play a role in your foundation mm -hmm. costs. Once we have all that, this process takes about 45 days. We'll go, okay, here you go. Here's your price. Do you want to sign on to move into you know, our closing um, and actually get the rest of the process started? Alternative route is you have an outside plan that we're able to price up front, or you take one of our flow plans and your modifications to it are reasonable enough to where we're able to kind of get a price offhand. You know, you're moving a couple walls out, you're adding some windows, you're adding some cabinetry. That's fairly simple to price where I don't need some in-depth estimator doing a full takeoff of the house. So they would sign and we'd have, you know, we'd have allowances for site. We would know generally where they're building, what the costs are, but then we would start our process, which is typically a 90 day process. Throughout that, they're able to alter their plan. They're going to meet with the designer and we're, you know, we're going to tweak with the plan. We're going to have two color meetings during this time um, for interior design. Depending on the value of the house, we sometimes have a third or fourth color meeting because if you're designing a $1.4 million house, there's a little more that goes into it than a $500,000 house. So they expect a little more meeting time. 
Um, and then during this time, we have multiple departments involved. So we have our sales department that's obviously kind of holding their hand through the process, making sure we're following the steps to get closed in those 90 days. Because once you sign that contract, we lock your pricing. We're a fixed cost builder. So we don't do cost plus. Um, we don't do any of those things as long as you close within 90 days because we obviously can't hold the price for three years um, if you just decide to sit on your hands. Um, we also have a closing department where all they're doing is dealing with the HOAs and dealing with permitting and dealing with all of those things. So our homeowners don't really need to worry about it at all. They yeah, tell awesome. us where they are and we know what the requirements are. We're going to pull the deed restrictions. Our designers are going to be expected to pull or the ACC guidelines and make sure that their plan is matching all of those. Um, generally, where we're building, we've built in before because we've been there so long. So we already have all the deed restrictions, yeah. familiarity with it. And they're also dealing with the permitting, which permitting in some of these cities is, is probably the more complicated part. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So we're handling all that throughout this process to make sure we're in alignment. We know kind of what the permit costs are. So we want all that up front. The other aspect that needs to happen for most of our buyers, um, most of our buyers actually aren't cash buyers. That might change with interest rates going to seven, eight percent. But when they are three percent, it's free money for a better word. Yeah, so basically, right. They're financing the build. Um, we actually have a lender that is in the same building as us. That's one of our preferred lenders, but we have some other preferred lenders that we use and we're coordinating with them the whole time as well to get them everything they need. So for the most part during this process, the homeowner just needs to tell us what they like. And, you know, there might be a few things they have to fill out for the lender, but we're generally taking the reins on everything. And, and that's what they're expecting. They want this process to be turnkey. Um, we do all the lot prep. But if homeowner wants to do a lot prep, we can allow some lot prep depending on what it is. Um, and we would even do pools and landscaping, but that's one of those things where I'll go, hey, if you just want to do it, I'll coordinate with whoever you're working with. But if you want us to turnkey the whole thing and really talk to the pool guy and be the one just running the whole show, we can do that as well. So we basically can do anything. Yeah, um, but then during this process, we obviously have a tons of checks and balances, making sure the plan's what they want. Um, we do something called a homeowner confirmation meeting before closing, where even though they've seen their plan 18 times with the designer and the salesperson, they're going to sit with our area manager who's in charge of all construction for the city, as well as whoever their construction manager is going to be. And we go through the plans again, like in excruciating detail on every aspect, because generally there's a lot of things overlooked. Like they're not thinking about, hey, is this door swing convenient when they're thinking about their cabinet colors? Exactly. So we're we're going to go over all of those things again with them before we actually close and before we go into the construction side of it. Then once we close and we kind of start the construction, that's a whole new beast um, that has a thousand different steps to it that I could go into. But I'm sure that probably answered more than you needed to know for your first question. Yeah, that's awesome. Um I think a couple things in there that I wanted to circle back on, but one was like, as a builder, it's a great point you brought up that you can't have too many touch points um, with your clients. Like if, if you're in doubt, just do it because your clients need that level of communication. And I've noticed, especially in, in custom design people, you just don't have the mental capacity as a human to really process, especially if you don't do this every day to really process what goes into a full floor plan. So when I throw a set of construction documents at a client, like 
they're not thinking through every switch location all overnight or anything like that. Like it takes weeks, maybe even months to look at the plans and be like, okay, you know what? We didn't think about this or this or this. So I think that's awesome that you guys incorporated that. Um, I also wanted to circle back to, so I think a lot of builders um, when they start out that like an on your lot builders, it was pretty, um, a lot of builders will do it from time to time, but I think, not many are super experienced at it and they get caught in a lot of this stuff you're saying like um the permitting you know one town it's x number of dollars the next town over it's triple that and they, they didn't know and they don't factor it um that can be really frustrating for clients to have to any dollar amount you go back to them for is a loss you know <laughs> even yeah. if it's like well we, we should have included this in the beginning and they're like yeah but you didn't <laughs> you know um so it, through your process, you guys have really, um, it sounds like gotten those, like, do you have spreadsheets and stuff in the, in the back offices that know exactly permit costs and HOA fees and stuff like that? Yeah. So HOA stuff, um, typically the homeowner was paid direct because there's this whole who gets refunded and it becomes this mess yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. for HOAs. We, we have them set up an account. We guide them through it, but we just go, hey, just pay them direct because when they refund, then it comes to me and it turns into this whole ordeal. Yeah. Um, for permitting, unfortunately, for a lot of the cities, they're not going to give you an exact amount until you have a final plan because it's going to depend on the square footage and how much is the impact going to be on the lot. What we do know is, is it going to be between six and eight grand or is it going to be between three or four hundred dollars? Because what we never want to have happen is we put on a permit allowance for four hundred dollars and then we're having a conversation towards the end on, oh, it's seven grand. Typically the homeowners, because this is all figured out before closing, the homeowners understand, hey, I have an allowance for 7,500 and it's eight grand. Okay, it's 500 bucks. I'm able to show them the actual permit fees because we do everything as a pass through for that. And yeah. it is what it is. So we're, we know from our experience in these cities, what's required. One thing that's very helpful for us and what I think what you're referring to actually hits the builders more than even just permit costs is there's requirements of what you build in each of the cities outside of just the permit cost. So if you're in the city of Houston, well, you need R8 duct. Everywhere else, R6 is going to be just fine. It's going to be Energy Star, whatever that might be. Well, if you go and install R6 duct everywhere and they come in and inspect it and they go, well, it needs to be R8, it's an expensive problem to fix. Yep. Um, so you know we know that up front it's r8 duct um all of your trades have to be licensed and insured well we do that regardless of where we're building so so that's one thing that is kind of unique is we're building to and above the city of standards or city of tomball or city of whatever even if they're out in the county and they have no inspections um so what a lot of people specifically that we talk to here is if they're not located in the city of whatever there are no inspections in texas period like if i'm building out in the county there are literally no inspections you're gonna maybe have a permit or a um, inspection for your septic and that's about it so this is where things run amok um we do what we call um guardian certified inspections so we have 10 third-party inspections throughout the build of the home that are by a third party if we're in the city we're still doing those plus all the city inspections so that's why we're not really afraid of inspections like bring it on. We do it anyways, everywhere. So all of our vendors are used to it. All of our trades are used to it. And our company as a whole is used to it. Yeah. So that's kind of how we, we, we get ahead of it when we build in a city and 
we don't really have that many hiccups. You're going to have the occasional where we build in city of Friendswood and we might not have built in the actual city, city of Friendswood. And there's some real weird requirement that comes up, but generally we have it all figured out um, before we've even started construction. Yeah. Yeah. It's another, it makes me think of another topic I hear a lot nowadays, which is like general contracting your own house, um, which is, is cool. Like I'm not against that for people, but I don't think they think about things like the R6 versus R8 duct, you know, and if you aren't doing this every day, you're not going to know you're going to have the wrong ones installed, you know, and yeah. you're going to have to rip them out. And that's, that's the money that you don't realize you're going to spend when you general your own house. Um, so that's just my PSA for people, but a great point on your end. Um, pivoting a little bit, you have a ton of floor plans on your site. Um, what percentage, and it's a pretty wide range too. Like when you look at a production builder, they've got eight and they're all within 500 square feet of one another, you know? Um, but yours range from what a thousand to up to 5,000 square feet, um, plans on your site. Um, so what percentage of clients first, let's talk about why the big range there. So I think a lot of it was, Throughout the years, it used to be, well, oh, I like this builder. Why do you like this builder? Oh, I like their floor plan. Okay, well, anyone to a degree can do the floor plan, right? There's a lot that goes into the builder. So over 25 years, we've developed a lot of floor plans. I think the other reason we have so many is about 30 to 40% of our sales, because we never sell just the floor plan. Like if, if I get a sales proposal where it's like they modified just one thing, I'm shocked because usually it's a ton of different modifications. Yep. Um, about 30 or 40% our salespeople are going, okay, what do you like? You like this plan. This is kind of within your range, but what don't you like about it? What do you like about it? And they're modifying it. They're adding a game room. They're making the walls bigger. They're raising plate heights. If I give sales a lot of floor plans to start with, it allows them to at least go that route and have something to get the buyer in. So that's because most buyers have to really see it. They can't visualize it. So that kind of helps with that. That's why we have a big range. Cause we built a huge range of homes um, about 50 to 60%, just kind of depending what we've seen recently, it's pretty full custom. And that's where they start with that pre-construction agreement that I spoke of where we're mm -hmm. literally drawing a home from scratch, pricing it from scratch and, and moving through that. So really the main reason we have the big range of floor plans is just to show we can do anything you want. Cause yeah. we continually hear, Oh, well this builder did this modern thing but you can't do modern. I'm like, no, we, we can do modern. Yeah. So we want to show the most we can to show we can do anything just like most true custom builders should be able to. Yeah. The one I used to get a lot was like the client will walk in and like a floor plan. I'm like, Oh, what do you like about this floor plan? Or like, well, we need a brick house. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can the, take the any the of these. <laughs> You get that a lot of, I don't like this house, but I love, but I love the kitchen. I love the bedroom. And I'm like, why don't you like, Oh, I don't like the brick on the outside. Oh, well that's, that's the easiest part. We, we can <laughs> yeah, right. That is seriously the easiest part to change. Um, that's cool that you do a lot of, and then when I'm doing full custom, I feel like, especially as a builder, you're just fishing further away from the boat. Like there's just so many more things that you can lose a client on. It's, it's hard. Um, but, specifically on the custom stuff when do you start to share pricing with it so okay what'll happen um and our sales are getting pretty good at it is we're first gonna before i even have them go into a contract like what is your budget and kind of what are you looking for 
Because again, like I mentioned, if it's 5,000 square feet and their budget's 500 grand, we don't even need to have this discussion. Like I, there's nothing I can do to make that work. But as long as what they're, you know, square footage wise and kind of some of their requirements they're telling us, because you know, you, you can generally go, okay, that's a lot more, that's not that expensive. We're gonna start there. And as long as it's within a range, we're gonna get the okay to design. As we're designing, every homeowner wants you know some want to get a little carried away and they start doing stuff that's where we start with sales and we go hey you know reel them in explain to them hey when we had this discussion on what we're designing and you want to be at 650 you're you're getting above 650 without me even having to price it like i just know because you did you added an eight-car garage and stone everywhere and whatever that might be we don't actually give a price price until we have what we call cp1 so the i guess that is the third version of the plan that's when we actually go and price it. Um, before that, we're hoping that, you know, what their budget is is somewhat in line. Sometimes it's off. Um, sometimes we get the plan back and they want to be at 650 and we're at 750. Generally, that's going to be caused, hopefully, by not the actual structure. It's going to be stuff they put in the house. Well, they wanted, you know, every bathroom to have three sinks in it and they wanted three fireplaces around their house and they want tongue and groove in all the ceilings, all this stuff that you can easily price and remove without changing what the person's actually getting in their home. Yeah. Um, so when we get the price, you know, we'll present it and they might go, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of what I expected. My budget has grown since we talked or they go, Hey, I need to cut 40 grand. Tell me what's making the price so high. And then that's when, you know, we do the thing where we'll go through and go, well, this is costing you more. You could do this instead and it saves you 10 grand here. Um, so we really don't price it until we have a full plan. And a lot of that is because we like to pride ourselves. We, we know what we're selling. When we do a full takeoff, I could order all the materials for the home tomorrow. And that's what I'm building. So we, we have a full materials list. I know what all my trades are going to cost me. Any item that requires a bid because I don't have pricing for it, we're going to get all those bids. So we know exactly what the home costs. And I think that's one of the things where you'll get the few customers that think this is like, like a car sale. Oh, we're going to start up here and we can negotiate down. It's not really how we do business. Like I know my cost. I know what we need to make. Here's the price. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I often tell people to actually tell your builder your real number. Um, yeah, that's, I, I think it's so, I, I don't know. It just seems so backwards to me of like, it, so many people will be like, Oh, I'm going to tell them 200 grand less than what we can actually afford so that they'll price it more aggressively. Like, most builders don't do it that way. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work and it's not helping you. Um, I think a builder like you guys, where if they say 800, it's like, okay, let us help you get to 800 instead of, Oh yeah, let's try and secretly get it to 825. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you agree? Clients oh, man, your budget, the only thing it affects is how much I'm going to control you during the design. It just has no effect on what number you're going to get. The design itself is going to affect the number. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the only thing that affects our pricing. Um, I, I agree. I say that to everybody. I'm like, okay. And, and I think a lot of people, and I get it, they're used to production where they make their money in the design center. Like you go in there and you go, well, I want to change it from, tile floors to the wood tile and they're like oh well for the foyer that's four grand okay well for us that might be six hundred dollars if that we might even have some standards so 
they come in thinking they're going to have to spend 150 grand in the design center on a $700,000 house when in reality they might spend 20 grand in the design center on a $700,000 house. So ha- trying to have those conversations and going, guys, like you need to trust us. You're not going to go spend some crazy amount because the stuff that is crazy, you're going to tell us up front. Like if you tell me up front, I want black windows. Well, black windows right now, which is how supply chains have been and they've discontinued a lot of the um, window brands. That's an expensive thing that I'm going to price before we get into a contract because we don't need to wait till the design center to tell you it's 15 grand more. Yes, Let's get yeah. that out of the way. But things like your granite, unless you go in and you go, I want level nine granite in every single room and I want the highest in granite that you have, it's not a huge upgrade. It might be a couple grand on a big house or three grand on a big house. And, and that's more or less what people are anticipating or need to anticipate with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, how many pricing checks does sales do with like your internal team? Is it every draft? Um, no, they don't do every draft, um, which can be good and bad. It just depends on the complexity. We might stop it, but generally what will happen is at the proposal stage, I actually do all our proposals. Um, my whole thing is, is if it's wrong up front, it's really hard to explain. Like if they change the plan 47 times during the 90 days and there's a problem and we misprice something and we catch it towards the end of it, that's a little easier to explain if we can go back to the correct thing. If it's wrong up front, it's a problem. So up yeah. front, we will we'll price it. Um, a lot of our pricing is done by actually purchasing, not sales. So like they're going to be correct and, and that's what they do. So I don't have to worry about that. So typically we'll have a price up front and depending on how much changes, we're only going to do one more like final check that we're going to call an audit. So at the end of this whole thing, when we say the plan's done, we're getting ready to closing, we want to do a final number to send to the lender. Um, we're going to go through an audit where actually one of my estimators goes through literally everything, like the plan, the selections, the color photos, the OA, and he's making sure everything jives. And a lot of the time he's going to find things don't jive. And it might just be something that it's a verbiage thing and we need to make sure it lines up or it might be something on we're double charging the customer. We're charging them here and we're charging them here. Well, we don't need to do that. Let's get rid of it. Or it might be, Hey, sales forgot to charge for a wall of brick. We typically don't get there because that conversation is not very fun when you're at the very end and you go, we missed five grand from two months ago. Um, but that's typically how we do our price checks. When it's a full, full custom, it's really easy, like that pre-con, because they're pretty much final on the house, and I have the final price based on what the estimator did. So now it's really just selections in the design center, and those are easy to price. I mean, it's what's the square footage, what's the level, let's move on. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, you can't check, it's like customer touch points, right? It, move, it moves too it much. Enough it, times. Yeah, it moves too much. It's it, it's moving the entire time until they finalize things. That's that's the biggest problem. Now their house itself is going to stop. They're just going to see items in their OA from adding or deleting things. Move and gotcha. OA's options addendum. Sorry, I'm, I'm uh, just okay. Stories around. I was going to ask actually. Um, something I noticed on your site, I haven't seen many builders do, is the um, custom home building events. Mm-hmm. What goes on there? What do you guys do? So we'll typically, and we have another one coming up next month. We'll do a used to be in-person seminars. Um, I think we're doing an in-person one next month, but they've moved to webinars for about two years. And um, actually my dad, the owner, Mike Feigen, will put them on. And it's typically about an hour of him doing a presentation and then about 
depending on the crowd, 30, 40 minutes of answering questions. Um, and mainly what he's doing is just educating people on what build on your lot is. Obviously, there's a few things he throws in there that we do that are a little different than what other builders might do. But generally, it's, hey, when you're looking for a lot, because a lot of people haven't even bought a lot yet, what do you need to consider? Because you'll have a guy that thinks he got this great deal on a $30,000 lot. Well, he's in the flood zone in the city of Houston. And just to build the house, it's another hundred and fifty grand just to start it because you got a drainage and all that. So yep. we'll go into that, um, what to look for in a builder, kind of what sets certain builders apart from other builders. What do you need to look for rather than just what they're putting on paper? Um, we'll go into all those details throughout the process, kind of how the construction loan financing works because people are very familiar with like the final loan. Construction loans are a little different and there's a few different avenues you can go down. Um, and then there's Q&A and there's always a bunch of random one-off questions that, that'll get answered. That's typically what we do. Man, that is such a great idea. I, I'm in a Facebook group for home building help. And the questions, people just don't know literally where to start. Yeah. Single, should I buy a lot first or pick a plan? Like the most basic stuff. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's their fault. It's just that information isn't out there. Um, well, and what I've learned just talking to customers, and, and I wish I could educate every customer on planet Earth, they don't even know how to shop builders. They get yeah. too hung up on stuff that every single builder can do, but that builder just has it in front of you. And like, that's not the right question to ask. That stuff doesn't matter. That Hold that equal across all of them. You need to ask this completely different list, and that's how you should determine your builder. And obviously, there's a likability and trust that goes in. If you don't trust your builder or like your sales guy or the builder, it's not going to be a good time either. So that that right. plays a role. What would you recommend for people that are shopping builders? So, okay, my biggest thing here, how I how we sell against everyone else and kind of what makes us different is, first off, how long you've been in business. Um, people don't understand that no matter what kind of roundabout, insured thing they want to say, the builder files for bankruptcy, your warranty is gone. It's just gone, period. So how long have they been around and have they been under the same name? Because you'll have a lot of builders that they're design tech one day and then they're DTH improved the next day and it's a different LLC to protect them from past warranties. So that's, that's the first thing is how long have they been in business? Um, do they do inspections? And not a final, and you know, I always go, everyone goes, oh yeah, you can get an inspection at the end. Okay, when are they doing their inspections? Because at the end's too late. You're not seeing the frame, you're not seeing the foundation, where are their inspections done? And are they doing them on every home or are they doing them just because you asked? Because hmm. that has come up before. Um, I would ask them a question on, give me an example of when you design tech made a mistake or the builder made a mistake and what was the resolution? And, and, and find a good answer rather than, oh, you know, we put the wrong colored paint on and, you know, of course we repainted it. Something that's a little more in depth and difficult than that. Um, but kind of, that's what I would ask. Do you build in the city of wherever? Because if the answer is no, then you need to ask why. Oh, why don't you build in the city? Could be a few reasons. Are their trades not all licensed and insured? Do they not want to deal with the inspections? Do they not know how to deal with the city? Typically, if your builder builds in the city, they're already at a different caliber than the ones that refuse to build in the city because they know if they're able to pass all that stuff, they're going to be able to do the county just fine. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'd ask about ownership. You know, has this been traded? Is the owner still involved? Especially when you get to this smaller size, 
business, you want the ownership a little more involved. Um, things can kind of run amok when they're just kind of on the side. Um, and then I always ask how many homes are the CMs carrying on average? Um, some builders that are going to carry 25 homes, it's going to be a really different experience than if they're carrying 12. Yeah. CM is construction manager, right? Yep. Yeah, CM's construction manager. Right. You might hear project manager, site superintendent. Yeah. AM's yeah. area manager, CM's construction manager, superintendent. Yeah. It's, all, it's all kind of the same deal. Yep. So, yeah. Those are great. That's a great list. Yeah, that's and then, and then and then get into depth on like how do they actually build their house ignore the floor plan ignore the pretty stuff because the only difference between this granite you don't like and the really nice granite is the price it's the same vendor it's the same quality it's just the way it looks so mm -hmm. get into how do they actually construct their homes the stuff that no one's seeing start diving on those questions because i mean you'll walk some builders and they're using green board for their soffit under the porches well, for those of you that don't know, green board is basically sheetrock with a little layer on it. If you try to pressure wash it with everyone in Texas loves pressure washing their ceiling porches, it will literally poke a hole through it. They should be using hardy soffit. Yeah. It's, that's not meant for that. So there's all these things where builders will cut costs and it's a little bit here and a little bit there, but it adds up over the course of it. So you want to get all that information because at the end of the day, yes, you're going to compare some pricing. If you don't have anywhere near apples to apples, it's really hard for you to make a determination on, okay, well, I trust this builder more. Apples to apples, they're 10 grand more. I'm going to go with that builder. What you'll end up seeing is they think they're 30 grand more, but they're not comparing apples to apples. They're, they're yeah. not including 12 different things that add up to $20,000. Yeah, for sure. And that, you're right. The design stuff is so easy to copy. You know, the the tile and the wood flooring and the, the granite and all that like the, the two builders are probably using the same subcontractor <laughs> yeah they're probably there's only a handful of vendors in most areas and it's probably the same guy yeah man that's an awesome list i'm gonna have to save that cool uh, anything else you got for me matt no no i mean i think we, we jumped into a bunch um i don't have too much else if you got some other questions i'd be happy to answer them but that's a pretty good overview about what we do yeah, I just think it's wild the counties don't have inspections. They have none. <laughs> I can't, and, and I can't get over that. That's bizarre. And you'll get a couple people that go, oh, my bank inspects. Well, all your bank is literally doing is making sure when I say the foundation is there and I'm requesting money for the foundation, they are showing up and going, yep, the foundation is there. That's all they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I would really press towards inspections and a builder that is excited about inspections. Cause I mean, I want them cause I go great. I don't have to warrant. The chance I have to do a warranty on this house is gonna be a lot lower if we're catching things throughout the build. And I'll tell you, we fail inspections all the time, which is great. Cause I wanna fix it before we close the wall up and move on to the next stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, um, I also heard in Texas, there's no official general contractor license. Is that correct? So generally what happens, okay, I'm not super on the law side of it, so I'm, I might push this a little bit, but in Texas, when you go to a build on your lot builder, they're subbing everything out. So you're kind of the GC, but they're subbing. What is different in Texas and can run a bunch of problems is our lien laws. We have crazy, crazy lien laws where if you're trying to do it yourself, you can get in a lot of trouble. So to give you an example of that, Obviously, if I don't pay my subcontractor, they can try to put a lien on the property. 
it goes as far as if my subcontractor doesn't play their supplier, the supplier can put a lien on that property. So I have nothing to do with that now. Like I'm paying some guy to go get the tile from whoever he wants to get the tile from, put it in. If he doesn't pay that guy for the tile, that company will come after and put a lien on the um, property. So what we do is we actually require them to see all their payables and make sure they're paying all of their subs. Um, so that that doesn't happen. Um, and then obviously, you know, we're not going to make the homeowner deal with liens. It's our responsibility, but we don't want to deal with the lien either. So that's kind of how you mitigate around that. Um, but yeah, everything's a sub. All the framers you're dealing with, you're subbing a guy and they're subbing guys. That's just how it works in the state of Texas. So you'll find one framer and the framer you're dealing with just subs it out to his 20 random guys that he's in charge of. That's bizarre. Yeah. That's that's how that it is how it works. Now, when you get into some of the specialties like plumbing and electrical, they have guys on staff. So when you are going out with you know so and so electrical, it's all in house. But yeah. framers, cornice, some of those like you know lower level trades you're thinking of, it's all subs on subs. That's funny. How it works. That's awesome. Um, well, Matt, if people want to find you, find out more about what you guys do, um, where you, where are you located and, uh, how can they find you? So we, right now we're located off of spring, um, right outside of Houston, um, in Texas. And we're also located Northeast of San Antonio in central Texas. And we build within about a 70 mile radius of both cities. Um, best way to find us, just go to www.dth, which stands for design tech homes.com. It's going to have all our info. It's going to have um, floor plans, who you can contact. You can even fill out a form, which will go to sales, and they'd be happy to contact you. Um, and then, yeah, that's that's the best way to find us. Um, just keep in mind, no matter what you see on the website, we can build anything that you want. We are fully custom. Really, I say the floor plans are just a starting point. And if you don't like any of them or you don't think they're nice, give us a call, and I'll show you some other stuff we can do. That's awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining me today. It was really good stuff. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Adam. Really, really appreciate being on the podcast and, and talk, speaking with you. Thanks again to Matt for joining me. I absolutely loved our time together. For those of you that want to follow along the show, there's a number of ways to do it. Um, obviously, you should subscribe via Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get you podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Um, if you want to interact with me a little bit more, um, I'm most active on TikTok. Ask me a question. I'd love to answer it. I also do plenty on Instagram and Facebook. My handle for all those is at Burnham Design Co. That's B-I-R-N-A-M Design Co. Um, and yeah, I look forward to hearing from you and you all have an awesome day.